0: you know, as we've had this year, we've had huge just ebbs and flows in motivation and feeling like you're doing the wrong thing. And, and, and so I think being able to talk about that stuff and being able to say, Hey, this shit's fucking hard.
1: I'm Tiff Waldron, Pink Boot Society, Australia, president, certified Cicerone and beer educator.
2: And I'm Lindsay Gregg, a certified Cicerone, professional snack queen, and brewer, and we're here to explore the people and conversations that aren't always front and center of the beer industry.
1: You're listening to Crack the Ceiling Podcast.
2: Hi, Tiff. Hi, Lindsey. How are you doing? Great. We're going to figure this out one day. Today's not the day.
1: One of these days we are going to figure out how to open the podcast, but as usual, it's not
2: today. No. So I'm super excited today because um, we have a guest on that we've actually had on (laughs) before-ish.
1: Well, we've invited on before. And we went so far as to meeting in public.
2: Yep. And we had our microphones. Um, we had never used our microphones before. And I was very confident in my abilities, only to find out you that. You've done so much research. I did not know what I was doing at all. But we were there. We were there. And our guest came. The thing
1: was, we had a great night
2: anyway. We did. <laughs> it was about an hour of trying to record the podcast, and then like four hours of just having fun. And yeah, and then we had a good time. Um, I'm really excited that Jane Lewis is here. Hi, Jane. Hello. Hi, Jane. (laughs) I'm so (laughs) glad we're finally
0: doing
1: this. I know, right? (laughs) It was last summer when we did this.
0: It was a while back. Yeah, absolutely. But we had a delicious dinner and we just drank some beers and we hung out and chatted and it was bloody delightful. So, uh, you know. Not really a loss. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a good
1: time. It's a good yeah. time anyway. Thanks for coming back, giving this
2: another go.
0: <laughs> it's oh, a pleasure. We're uh, we're already further ahead than we were before, so we uh, honestly,
2: are yeah, yes. it's actually recording.
0: It's amazing, <laughs> and I haven't
2: had a panic attack yet, so well, that's a win. <laughs>
0: that is. It's a hundred percent a win. Not
2: <laughs> crying inside my head. So embarrassment. <laughs> I am getting embarrassed right now. Um, Paul, oh, your cheeks are turning a little red. I know. Yeah,
1: yes. so we're back here at Near yes. Far Bar on Brunswick Street in Fitzroy. Yeah. Because we've discovered that there is a very private room. Hot room. There's Yeah, hot,
2: private, good beer. It's pretty much a good podcasting spot now. Yeah, this is our new podcast studio. Thanks, Jace. I'm, yeah, well, let's, I don't know. I see if we really need to figure out these lead ways. All right. I so feel like I think saying, just need let's to, get into it. I oh, mean, yeah. I'd be
1: kind of shocked if anybody has never heard of Jane before. Yeah. But like... Quick snapshot.
0: Yes. Who of are like you? 20, Who am I? 20 years in brewing. Quick snapshot. Go. Yes, correct. 20 years in brewing. Um, started at Creatures, uh, ended up at Mountain Goat, then started Two Birds Brewing, so Australia's first female-founded brewery. Um, have Ooh. also been a part of founding um, Pink Boots Society and now Beer Agents for Change. Um, that's the really short version.
1: That's, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Well done, this is
0: turning
2: your 20-year career into an elevator
0: pitch. <laughs> exactly, that was a minute. <laughs>
2: that was not even a minute.
0: It probably wasn't that. Which
2: is still enough to like make me a little overwhelmed because you know it's exciting. I think it that is. for one, Jane, you have so much respect within the industry and among the people that I know in the industry. You're tremendously respected and admired, and kind of. Um, An icon, maybe. i say an icon. Goodness. So, oh god. Sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is news. Wait, you don't think you're an icon? No, I certainly do. Yeah, I think you are. You like think of the pillars of like beer and brewing in Australia. I would definitely put your face up there.
2: Yeah, and I remember the first time you talked to me. It was the 90s. (laughs) Uh, Tell me more. Oh my god, Lindsay. It was the 2019 Indies, and you came up to a group of us, mostly women, um, that were all associate judges that year, and you just let us know that if anyone was fucking with us that we needed to tell you. Yeah. And- That sounds uh, right. Yeah. It was,
0: yeah. (laughs) I love that. Um, I don't even remember that, but I love that. That's good. Yeah, it was good.
2: Uh, And at the time, I was just like- Oh, Jean Lewis just talked to me and she
0: said, she'll protect me.
2: And I know, and I know, I know that I'm not the only person in the industry that feels that way. So that's really cool.
0: Lovely. Thank you. That's so lovely. I'm, uh, I'm fucking <laughs> stoked to hear that. That's awesome. I mean, I'm not surprised, <laughs> but I love it. If anyone fucks with you, I will
2: end them. Oh, good. All right. But I, yeah, you are an icon. Thank I think you. for sure. And I think that, um, a lot of people in the industry, like, look to your career and what you've done as something incredibly impressive and remarkable. So,
0: Thank you. That's super lovely. I appreciate that. I so. yeah, well, it's true. So that's
2: it. I, I will leave now. I'm just going <laughs> to out of the room and, done. and leave you guys
1: to the conversation. Sorry, Jane. I do not remember the first time we talked.
0: No. It was a long
1: time ago, though. It was though.
0: a bloody long time ago.
1: Yeah, mm. I mean, I would have known you for.
0: Well, we were part of the initial founding of Pink, pink boots, boots, but it would have been. Well, before that Women well in so. Beer
1: Brew Days that I came to.
0: And yeah, exactly. It would be. I mean, I've been in, in Melbourne for 15 years, and it probably would have been somewhere in that. Not kind of long after that. Ballpark yeah. after I moved, I reckon. So, yeah. For a while, yeah. It has been.
1: We've been working on Variation for Change together and. Yes. Pink boots together a long time yes oh no i wish i remember the first time
2: (laughs) see this is great for me because i actually stalked tiff
0: before i moved (laughs) to australia
2: are you serious (laughs) on social media do you
0: remember the first time you talked to her i do i want to hear that story too
2: well it was at pink boots it was the pink boots brew day at stomping ground was the first time that i actually got to talk to you in person Mm. yeah i remember
0: it there you go.
2: But I've told you I stalked you, so it's all. Yeah, right. it's fine.
0: It's not news to This me. is not news, yeah. It's not news.
1: It's all <laughs> it's right. It's fine. We're friends. So, But I think that your statement on Jane's career being remarkable and what she's done having been iconic kind of is like a good leeway into one of the first things we want to talk about today, which is why
0: mm.
1: were you the first brewer, Beth, female brewer founder Mm. in Australia and kind of there's not been a lot Mm. of remarkable women brewer founders since you started Two Birds 12 years ago.
0: Yeah it's an interesting one it was kind of I remember at the time just being like how the how the fuck did we get to you know 2010 or whatever it was before someone had before we'd had a female start a a, a brewery before we'd had female start a brewery and like you know the actual mm. own owning founding um part of it all and then you know I kind of just assumed obviously somewhat naively that that would just kind of all right cool we've done it and now there's going to be gazillions so many so many it's just going to have opened a floodgate and and you know we're just going to have this sort of happening and and, I, and it's been interesting to see I guess. Still, very few people in that scenario starting up um, um mm. breweries, and I—I I mean, I—I I think we've made huge progress and huge inroads into—and you know, we're just talking effectively gender here, so talking women, women in the industry, um, and. I, f- I mean, I remember going to events, like, early on in my Creatures days in, like, the early 2000s and being literally the only woman in the room who was not a partner of mm, yep. a brewer. Like, remember just being like, oh, yep, these are all the wives and girlfriends and me. Um, and, and, you yeah. know, understanding that walking into something like, you know, AIBA is a really nice one because it's just kind of easy to sort of see the the room and see how many how many women we have working in these environments and how much that's changed and and how much the work that you've done, Tiff, has, has really impacted all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I look I don't have a good answer for why we're not seeing more of more more women putting their kind of cold, you know, hard earned cash on the on the table to actually start up and found breweries and, and why that's not happening more because we have the talent, we have all of that. You know, we've got these people across the whole parts of the business, you know, we've got people across marketing, we've got people across, uh, women across brewing, all that kind of sort of stuff. So it's there, but it's just that next step up that's just not happening. And, and it's so interesting to see in so many other parts of kind of business, right, so many women-owned startups yeah. um, in, yeah. in 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 every part of business in this country. And yet still we're finding and getting this sh-
1: investment. Oh. And there's, I just don't, I don't see anybody seeking out like female owned brewery investment either.
2: There are so many incredibly talented female brewers out there. Some of the women I know that are brewing are so passionate, so educated. Yes. So driven. I recently had a conversation with a very, very skilled, talented friend about jobs that she was looking at. And she was talking to about applying for a brewery. And I was like, you're applying for the head brewer role, right? And she said, no, she's not ready for that. Why do you think you're not ready? Mm. And what is it going to take to make you ready? Because I I know men that do not have the qualifications or experience and they're opening mm. up breweries as a brewer owner. Yeah. Like what what is going to actually give women in this industry that confidence? And is it like, is it money? Like No Mm -hmm. one's throwing money at me to open a brewery right now. Like, I don't know. Like, we don't- They should be. Are we not? Are we not? (laughs) Yeah. But like, if I see one more, like, three blokes open a brewery. Oh my God, we're exhausted by it. Tip and I are like sending screenshots all the time of like, oh, three white blokes. What an original story. Yeah. Bro and bro and co. Mm. Bro and bro and co. Bro (laughs) and bro and co. Just named the next brewery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll probably be announced in a few days. Um, I think that that's, it's this glass ceiling one, right? For women.
0: Self-imposed.
2: Self-imposed a lot. and mm. But like maybe nobody, what are we waiting for? Like what are we, What?
1: what is it? I don't, I don't I mean, the it's, there's not a lot of. This isn't like the corporate world. There isn't somebody who's going to likely say, hey, you're ready for this next step because it just doesn't exist like when you and Danielle did it Mm. it's not like somebody was like you are
2: Jane you are ready Mm. what actually made you feel ready
0: well I mean I'm I'll roll back to that part in my career first because I remember it so when I left creatures and moved to Melbourne I you know had two and a half years or something like that in brewing wasn't long um and I moved here and started talking to mountain goat about the head brewer role and I remember going home to my now husband and being like I'm not ready I'm absolutely not ready and he's like why not like tell me why not what what do you not have what can you not do that you know that's that required of you and and it felt like a huge step and it was a huge step and it was a huge learning curve and all that kind of stuff but I did it yeah and yeah. it was literally just a self-belief situation which I didn't have and it was you know literally someone else saying to me hey why not like why can you not why is this a thing and but I do believe it's obviously well documented that women are much more likely to sit back we have much lower confidence in that scenario we're much less likely to actually put ourselves forward and so you know a lot of the time we do get passed over of our own just our own programming that brings us undone and it's I think it's one of the biggest amounts of work that you can do as a woman is trying to look at your own bias that tells you I can't do this I can't I you know I'm not ready it's like nothing will ever be perfect like I need to have done these xyz courses i need to have you know i need to have done a leadership course i need to have darren oliver
2: has to personally endorse me before i do anything <laughs> absolutely
0: absolutely <laughs> like i need i need all of these things i need it all to be perfect before i'm ready for the next for the next step and you know there's obviously plenty of exceptions to that but i do feel that there is a programming part for women where we have to actually take physical steps To break that stuff down for yourself. Otherwise, you are literally roadblocking yourself. You are stopping yourself from moving forward because of these things that we put in to just be like, no, no, we can't do that. I can't possibly do that because I had a conversation with someone that didn't go really well. And so, hence, I can't possibly be ready to be a leader. It's fucking bullshit.
1: And if you think about how many people you probably have come across in your career. And I say your career and it's probably a collective, all of us yes, who've said, you're not ready. You're not good enough. You know, you don't have this thing, but in reality, all it really does take is maybe one person that you respect. And that's, you know, what I, I've been saying to Lindsay recently is have the people that, whose, whose experience and opinion you respect, and they may not necessarily be your best friends, But have those career guidance people who you can ask their opinion, who won't bullshit you, and will say, yes, you're ready, or no, you're not ready, and take that for what it's worth because you've chosen those people as, like, those people are the opinion that I think should matter. And it has to be more than just your friend that you talk to all the time, the people you bitch to, but, like, have some real honest conversations with people in your
2: who, you know, know, know your career. Mm. Which is terrifying to do though. I know. It's, it's like, I think that's one of the hardest things is to go to someone. Um, and especially when a lot of the people that you work with, I think is a female, a lot of the people that you work with and know you are men. I think it's really hard to find those people and have the bravery to ask.
0: Yeah, and I agree. And, and you can also be really specific with the feedback you're looking for, as opposed to like, how am I doing? Yeah. okay, cool. What's, what's working? What am I doing really well? What, what do you see as my strengths? What are the things that you think I could work on? How can I best, this is where I want to be. How would you suggest I go about getting there? Like be really specific about what you want to know. Bloody asked for 7 million references in my time And you can just be like hey so how is this person and they'll be like yep x y and z whatever and but unless you can get to the real nitty-gritty you don't actually find out a lot of stuff so you know taking that on board for yourself as well and being able to go okay hey human being that I work with um how do I do with this so how's my time management or or how is this or when you think of me what's my greatest strength and what's the three words that you can think of that describe best describe me and and I think you know, we should try and have faith in those around us and, and and try and hope that if we give people enough of the the framework that you will get something, yeah. even one thing that might be useful to you in your career, um, even if maybe feedback isn't something that a lot of people are necessarily really good at. If you make it really easy for them to, to do that and to give them good framework, then I think you can get lots of good stuff out of it. But, I mean, look... If, never had a hell of a lot of feedback on on anything you just kind of bloody mindedness and and just running forward because it's what felt right for me as well like you know I guess sort of rolling back as well to talked about why I decided to take a head brewer role but then also deciding to um even start a brewery was because I personally felt there was no other way forward for me like I felt like I had reached a pinnacle I spent two and a half years as a as a head brewer probably what I considered to be you know when I was doing it right it was one of the best breweries that I could have worked for I absolutely loved my boss Dave who's still one of my best mates now um so I had this job I was like where else where else am I going to go what else is there for me yeah um and so part of it was like okay well great I'm not gonna lose I'm not gonna move for just anything yeah but I also felt, interesting, this word's come to me recently, unfulfilled. Yep. There was a part that was missing for me. Like, yeah, great. I can be here. I can make this good beer. I can do this for other people. But, you know, there was an, only so much involvement that I could have in the process. And so in order to reach that next level of fulfillment, I knew there was only one option for me. And I am very much of that. I just don't want to die wondering. I just mm. didn't, I don't want to. I don't want to be in my deathbed and be like, fuck, I really wish I'd given that a go. I just don't want that to be. And that drives me in so many things in my life. It It is just a, it's a thing that I am like, no, I just don't want to, just don't want to die wandering.
2: When you, when you decided you wanted to do this, right. There were no other female ran breweries in Australia. No. Did you meet a lot of resistance? Like what, what was that final like push over the, you call it when you get married and you get oh, carried yeah. over
0: the threshold
2: threshold yeah what was that final like this is what I'm fucking doing
0: obviously I was I'd been in the industry right like I'd been around for a while I had a lot of really good connections I knew a lot of people um so people weren't shocked I mean maybe they were maybe there was a little bit of surprise to it for sure but Um, I really encountered mostly support and mostly really positive um, reactions to it and really people who were just like, yeah, it's fucking great, do it, absolutely, and I'll be here for you and I will support you and if you need anything, let me know and and all that. Um, So I, I found it to be yeah, really supportive and, and Were you a hundred percent
2: confident at that time? Had all the doubt gone from your
0: mind? No, I don't Were
2: you think like, no. I am this is I am the brewing god and
0: <laughs> Does that exist? <laughs> if someone if that if that exists for anybody, that doesn't even exist for me now. Sorry. Sorry. But
2: at that time had you done enough had Fuck you done no. enough self-work?
0: Fuck no. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> the the so I I remember really clearly, I resigned during um, like talk, which maybe it was like the first good beer week, was the first official yeah. good beer week. So I'd resigned literally the week before that. So I spent the whole of good beer week kind of telling people about this whole thing and it was just like this, just information coming in and and I wanted to vomit the entire time. I remember it so clearly. The only thing that I could eat was fennel, raw fennel. Oh, what? Right? My body was like... I fucking hate you. This is disgraceful. And raw fennel. That was it. It was the only thing that I could get. I know.
2: What? Why have we never seen a fennel beer?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like that's that was my first thought. Was like you've made a fennel beer, then right? But also,
2: for how long? That's like a whole week. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that week, that Good
1: Beer Week, they <laughs> served pork at every goddamn meal at every event yep.
0: that week. True, it's true, oh, but it was great. I, I cried. That's so so weird. I get it. Bizarre. It's
1: like. Licorice and fennel. Yeah, it was like just, I don't know, it
0: was fennel-ing. medicinal. It's yeah. Something about it felt very calming, but I, I was. i was Thin
1: a, shaved? Or yeah, yeah.
0: Just <laughs> thin <Yeah>. shaved. <shiny laughs> <Thin> sh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: that nervous that you couldn't even eat anything but raw fennel?
0: Correct. Yep. Because, so, again, it's like, well, why, why would you leave this really great job with these people that you love? Like, why would you do this? You know, why are you setting fire to everything that is possibly good here? And, and it was like, because I feel like what's on the other side is what I need to do. Um, it's not even necessarily that it's going to be better. It's just that it's what I need to do. It's mm-hmm. the process I had to go through. So, no, I, I, I suffered incredible amounts of self-doubt and, um, you know, crippling weird food <laughs> consumption stuff to get through it. So I'm, so not, I'm not sure if fennel
2: has enough nutrients. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just talked earlier about having checklists, right? Did you feel oh. like at that point, like checklists of all of these things I have to do and achieve before I can this. Did you have that checklist on a wall before? And then you checked everything off and you were like, oh, okay, I can do that or. Um,
0: that's probably a good point. I probably felt like I had enough things checked. It was like, okay, cool. Going to something like this. I want to make sure that I I've done my time, right. I've worked in this. I understand it enough to know what I'm getting myself into, the experience at Mountain Goat was really great for me because it gave me a lot more of that commercial stuff that I'd not had prior to that. So I sort of, was like, okay, cool. I've got the brewing stuff sorted. I know I can write a recipe. I know I can make a good beer. That's fine. Okay. So that's that pocket. That's that box. All right. Tick that one. Okay, cool. So I've started to understand more about the commercial stuff. Okay. Tick that, you know, starting to get a little bit of the marketing. Okay. You know, enough of that to sort of be dangerous because uh, <laughs> everyone thinks you can just do marketing and that's easy and I can fucking well learn that that's not the case
1: yeah but you had Danielle and she had a lot of marketing experience correct exactly yeah. so
0: it's like okay where have I got a gap yes there that's fine yeah, that's cool. that you know that Danny can Danny can handle that and so probably yeah look I probably don't remember it now but absolutely I would have been doing a, a an audit because also you want to know that I put my money into it, right? Like I, I, I put my own money into it. So it was a matter of wanting to know that I had done enough due diligence to be comfortable with the fact that, okay, cool, I feel like I'm going to walk away with this. I feel like this is a worthwhile investment. I feel comfortable with this level of risk. And you know, it's like walking up to a blackjack table, right? It's like you are got to be comfortable with the fact that you, you might lose it all. You yeah. might lose it all. And, and starting a brewery is not a hell of a lot different, to be honest. So... Yeah, and that was, I guess, for my own sanity and my own sort of safety and security, and being like, okay, no, I'm cool, I'm comfortable with this. This, I feel like I've done enough. I understand the industry quite well. I understand what the market looks like in terms of. I understand the retailers, the wholesalers, the pubs, the all of that um, kind of thing. So, yeah, and I, and I guess that all sort of comes into writing a business plan and yeah, of all of that kind of stuff. So, yes, in a way you're making sure that you've got the right information at hand to make sure that you're making the right decisions. Um, so, yeah, I think it all ties into that. It would have been mental box ticking to go on. Do I actually know how much this is going to cost me? Do I know, actually know how much I could make out of it? Yeah. You know?
2: Did you stay on your fennel diet for um, like after you opened? Is that something you resort to? Very stressed out. It has never happened to me okay. again. So it was just we, like that time. Get you help.
1: Well, Have was, we ever I see you look up some The market was so different back then because you started contract brewing, which at that time was a really mm. common way to start a brewery, really. And right now I would say, when people asked me about this, I'm like, no. Absolutely not. That's a terrible way to start a brewing mm. company. But twelve years ago it made total sense economically, commercially.
0: It did, but do you remember the stigma that was associated yeah, with contract was, brewing? I mean it like was it? Yeah, like it was hideous. We were really the first people to come out and actually say like from day to out loud, we are contract brewing yeah. and we're doing it because we want to actually make sure that there is a market for our product, and this is the way we're mitigating the risk of that. So it's like we're doing this as a pathway. Which everyone was said they were doing it as a pathway, and not many people really did Eventually follow did. down that that yeah. pathway. But the the stigma, I remember that was part of it for me, was actually having to come out and say that we were contract brewing was a huge part of the stress that I had because
1: back then it was
0: the stigma was giant.
1: Yeah, I completely forgot about that aspect of things. Oh
0: my God, it was terrible.
1: And there were so many people doing it.
0: So many people, but everyone was doing it under, you know, kind of... sneakily. Sneakily. Yeah.
1: I mean, if you think back to 2010 and how many breweries started around that time and were contract brewing and continuing to grow and continuing to make sense commercially, at that time in that era, contract brewing to start a beer brand Made so much sense, and I commend you on taking that and then making a home place in the soul of a brand. And it just, you know, makes me sad that we haven't seen more. The floodgates were never open I know, right? They were
2: opened, but everyone was like, "I'm gonna hide behind a boulder." <laughs> I mean, they're open. They're still open. But they're still open. They didn't and were close to... hiding behind our big balls. <laughs> Or they're blocking the view. It's hard to say.
1: But that does bring us to maybe the other thing we wanted to talk about, which is you built this brand and you built a brewery, which then has grown and grown and grown and expanded Mm. and grown, which means that your team has grown. And there's a lot of issues to tackle with a growing team. And I think on top of everything else is managing the growth of others around you. And then how do we tackle D&I when you when you're the one leading the
0: business? Yeah it's been a really interesting obviously started out as a brewer um, but these days my greatest joy is managing my team working with my team helping them grow like that part of it has come to be my absolute joy. I had my annual review today which is an odd concept I had an annual review and my highlights are all about you know, the growth of my team and, and how they've sort of come through and like coaching them, which is now a thing that I do and have done courses in and all that sort of stuff. Um, and so loving that side of things and then also sort of looking at the the, the D and I part of I guess teams and the industry and I I'm always feel very lucky that I I put out an ad and I over-index for women um, because
1: you are literally what they can see.
0: Yeah, I um, I talk to everyone else and it's like, oh, you yeah, know, we literally get maybe ten percent women applicants and I get fifty percent. So, I
1: man, if that's not a case study, that, that is, is why we need more women. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Women yeah. brew our own breweries because then you're leading, and everyone who says. Well, they're just not applying for the job. It's because you haven't shown them that it's a place they want
0: to work. It's true. It's totally mm-hmm. true. My my brewing team, there are six of us and we are 50-50, um, which is probably one of the few that you could talk about in any way, really. So we're a yep. equal um, brewing team from a gender standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, absolutely over, over index. And, yeah, of course, now that I think about it, it makes perfect sense. It's It is that whole thing of, of course, women are going to be drawn to that environment and of course you know we attract men who are allies yeah. and the team that I have is just as good as you could hope for and in, in that respect they're the freaking best
1: that's so good <laughs> shout out two birds team
0: <laughs> exactly two birds for momentum, uh, fixation right. all of that jazz. but yeah like I guess there's even as soon as I step out of that into kind of the fermentum space and, and, you know, where that kind of sits. And then obviously now part of Lion as well. So part of even a bigger, um, plays with that kind of thing. And then I guess the work that you and I do, Tiff, with Beer Agents for Change. It's a lot. It's, it's, it's a lot. And it's, um, it's something I've had a really interesting journey with. And if, again, we sort of go back to that point that I made about feeling like I didn't have a choice in something. I mean, I remember calling you, Tiff, when the rat magnet stuff dropped in the US. And I remember being like, this is happening. I feel really strongly about this. Actually, it had a really, I just had a really bad, really impacted me. And I had quite a bad sort of anxiety depressive episode over that period of time, which happened to fall during good Beer week as well. Yeah. And I actually remember being in tears before going to the AIBA and just being like, I don't even know if I can do this. I don't even know if I can leave the house. Like this is just impacting me so badly. And I remember calling you Tiff and just being like, I fucking don't know what it is, but I got to do something. Like this has to lead to action. I can't just sit here and watch this happen. So don't know what it is, but I feel like we should start something. And that was effectively the birth of Bureau Agents for Change and I remember seeing people at AIBA dinner and and just being driven by that, I can't not. Um, but then, you know, we as Bureau Agents for Change did survey, you know, found some really interesting sort of stats around how people had been treated and, and the impact that it was having on them um, and had a really big groundswell and then just went into this period of silence
2: yeah what yeah it was just it was
0: deafening it was it was this whole period where you were kind of sitting there expecting that people were going to again it's kind of opening the floodgates and having nothing run out it was it was very much the same way we thought that people were going to come out and have something to say and you thought that people were going to get behind the motion something
1: support like even just saying something supportive like we stand behind
0: yeah the work that's being done here and yeah. or or whatever and and it was really um it was really deafening at the time and i remember being like oh it's okay it's you know it's scary people don't know what to say and 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 then <laughs> it just went on and on and the silence just kept growing and, you know, not only did the silence grow but then the people coming back and saying maybe this isn't what we need. And so then, of course, as a person who obviously is reacting to the environment around them, you start to go, okay, cool, maybe maybe this isn't what we need to be pushing forward with. And then you're getting all of these different messages, some of them saying fuck yeah, keep doing the thing and other people saying shut the fuck up you know, you do get to a stage where I've had periods this year, Tiff knows this really well, that it's just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Mm -hmm. This feels so hard and you don't know if it's hard because it's the thing you're meant to keep doing or if it's hard because, you know, you're getting feedback to say, no, this is actually not what's needed. And so it's a matter of who do you listen to? How does that feedback work? But it's been a really, it's been tougher than I had anticipated And so, you know, I guess there is probably a bit of a, I don't know, a call to action or just a, fuck, is this what we need? You know, as an industry, tell us if this is what we're working towards because obviously potentially hearing the majority tell us that it's not what's required, but of course that's what the majority is going to tell us. So if the minority tells us that this is what's needed, I'll get up every morning and do it. But when you're not, you don't have that. Feedback loop to help you understand if what you're doing is making rabbit ears right. It gets it gets super hard to keep picking yourself up and going for it when you just it's like self-flagellation. It feels like you're beating yourself up for no fucking reason. So every yeah.
1: week we get together and we chat and
0: activate, every week every week
1: every week since it happened we meet and we discuss and we talk and we plan. And we work on things. And activism is a lonely, emotional, hard, hard, hard thing. Yeah. With no reward. And, yeah, it's been really hard.
0: Really, really challenging. I think lonely is a good word, Tiff, because it does. it, It makes you feel like you're out on a limb. It makes you feel like you're ostracized. It makes you feel... Apart from people, um, which is the exact opposite of what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to bring people together, and it can often feel exactly the opposite to that. So it's a really, it's a freaking tough thing to to live and to wake up every day and try to do things that you're trying to do for a greater good, but you also don't know if the greater good even wants that from you. Um, but there's definitely been, it's been way harder than i had anticipated and and i just hadn't usually pretty good at seeing that shit coming but i was just like now this really did hit me like a ton of bricks to just be like the the silence I, I can't i can't express it in anything other than a complete lack of buy-in perceived buy-in from a larger audience
1: i think the problem is and this is something we talk about a lot as well is that the respected leaders perhaps are not the ones who are going to drive the change yeah. but it's going to be actually the people after us that drive the change if for us it's been a shift in we're not changing some of our peers we're never going to change their point of view and so now it's about just creating space for those that come after us it's not change for for our own sake it's change for the future
2: yeah i don't i don't think our generations are going to see it at all
0: And that's heartbreaking, you know, like, and and it's, you know, it's realistic, but it's heartbreaking when you have to think you're like, you're doing this thing that is multi-generational. It's, it's, it is, it's really bloody difficult. But I mean, I, I, I have to take something from the pink boots journey and go, I remember how many years? Ten years ago. There you go. Ten ten years ago. You know, ten years ago I remember the first Pink Boots meeting with where it was like seven of us. That has to give you or one some hope. That has to give one some, the fact that we can start there and that even in ten years, which is both a long and a short period of time depending on how you look at it, it's fucking night and day. So you have to invest in that and you have to see that, otherwise you just wouldn't you wouldn't bother you wouldn't do it yeah we've made such good progress on gender and now we're looking to how do we make progress on you know the other parts of diversity and inclusion that you know now are sitting there ready for for change to happen or not ready <laughs> <laughs> But
2: it's, Who knows? Yeah, it's <laughs> not it's not going to be a dna and, and it's not yeah it's not going to be a. Mm. it's you're not going to see it because I think the impact that that has is smaller, and just even now the comfort of knowing that someone out there is doing it, mm. I I hope for others in the industry is even though they might not come out and tell you that they're aware and they know, you mm. know, and it's the same thing you hear at Pink Boots meetings. A lot of the women when we were doing the courageous conversations this year to sit around at a table and finally hear that others had shared experiences when they thought they were alone. And that's the same thing with rat magnet. Right. And I think that's why it impacted so many of us so big is because we were all mostly going through this and knowing that probably everybody did, but to actually read the scale of it was
0: Mm. terrifying.
2: It was shocking and it made everything that Like it's like, oh, but it's not not just, but no, it's not shocking at all. But that's what's so sad is because, okay, it isn't just me, but this is pervasive and this is affecting us on a much deeper level than what we realize. Mm. And I I think that that's what we're beer agents for change power is. It's a quiet power, mm. Um, but it is there.
1: And people, I mean, it's funny because some people say, can't you feel how different things are? Mm. And some days it's like.
0: No, absolutely not. In <laughs>
1: fact, maybe it's that when we walk in the room. I've never had to walk into a room in beer and be the only woman in the room because you came before me mm. and showed me that there was a career in this and you know I'm very grateful for that. And now as we're trying to push more change, mm. it definitely feels like people are watching us walk into the room being like troublemakers. Yeah shit stirrers, There's not a problem, leave it alone. Mm. But I think we know there is,
2: and that's what makes it so hard. I think so. You know there is because people get defensive and they're like, look at all the women I have on my team. You know, like, you know that it's important because people are starting to say that out loud and also take note of it maybe.
0: Mm. Yeah, so I think, I mean- Defensively? Defensively, (laughs) exactly. I do, I mean, I do, in my heart of hearts, you know, I know it's required and I know that there's reason for it. And, again, you, same thing with Pink Boots, right? You want to make yourself redundant. The whole point yeah. is in, in these scenarios is that you want for these organisations to not need to exist. You want to get it to a point where it's sorted enough that you, it's sorted enough, <laughs> that, that, you know, equality exists and you don't require these things to even. To it's even, not even a
2: thought.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But we're so far from that. And so I guess the focus just needs to be on the positives and on the things that we can really impact and and trying to maybe not focus for us on the the really pointy and people who might well be against it and to actually try to foster the closer people who are much more aligned with it and just make that grow and then make that make everybody else who doesn't agree with these things fucking redundant.
2: Yeah, but also highlight, like call out the good ones, you yeah, know, and I think that that's, it's hard. A lot of us know within the industry what breweries you do or do not want to work for. Mm-hmm. Like, but like, actually putting it out there I mean, like, hey, this company's good. Like, Mm. they're doing good things yeah they're putting out good things their their values are aligned like yes highlighting those because looking at jobs it's i think exhausting for a lot of people in the industry to be like where do i go though who is good who is actually yeah, we good? we don't know
0: yeah and of when course all
2: advertising looks the same
0: and yeah it does and and you know the laws in this country prevent defamation defamation it, yeah. it prevents so much stuff from being able to be publicly said and 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 for being able to actually us be able to protect ourselves and protect each other because
1: future women non-binary people
0: exactly of color
1: joining this industry i know that there are breweries that other women should not work for and not just as brewers i mean they are not good people to work for and they will likely have a very bad experience but we can't say that we can't Put it out on Twitter. We can't you know, yeah,
0: talk we can't. about it. No, exactly, and so it's that whole thing that is such a, and the thing probably that we've struggled with in bureau agents for change the most has been the fact that no information about things and about people and about breweries, and we have no power with which to do anything because it puts us all at a huge, huge risk, and so you are knowingly allowing people to walk into these unhealthy situations and you can't do anything about it. And if that's not the greatest feeling of helplessness, I don't know. I don't know what is. It's, it's fucked. It's so fucked.
2: But (laughs) are you trying to end this on a positive note? Uh, Um, (laughs) highlight the good ones.
0: Yes. Again, focus on the positives.
2: Um, and now, and now, well, now I don't know where to go. <laughs>
1: so we are, once again, very
2: bad at changing the conversation where we want it to go. No. There's so many points where Tiff and I just, like, stare at each other and we're like, yep. Yeah. It's
1: like, these are conversations are hard because I have, are hard. you know, background conversations are always the driving force behind what's going on. And I know that there are. Women consumers and women and non-binary people in our industry who certainly are aware of things, uh, but we can never talk about these things publicly. And you know, I think it's just really important more than anything that we are continuing to build a safe and growing industry so that we are more welcoming. We're bringing things in because I think our industry won't be sustainable. Sometimes I just want to hey Jane. No. Social social social. Thanks for coming out and meeting
2: good us day, for,
0: the for the this second year. time this year. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Really good to chat. Love it. Yep. Um,
2: yeah, thank you so much for coming on for a second time. So, yeah. Fun. Let's put these microphones away now. Hey Jane, where can we find you? If somebody <laughs> wants to find you. If someone wants
0: to find me. What's your address? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Anyone will know that I'm not really good with social media, but uh, if you look for me, you'll find me. Brewer Jane, something like that. She's around. Yeah, She doesn't have much to say on uh, <laughs> on <the> socials, so <laughs> don't really bother following her.
2: But she will fight for you. Exactly.
0: Just we'll let fuck her know who's I will fucking with fuck like <laughs>
2: Yeah,
0: Love the underdog. I will fuck someone up if they fuck you up. <laughs> oh,
2: geez
1: like that's important. It that's is. what makes you an icon.
0: I, kind of, I hate to think that people are going through some fucking shit. And so, if there is any power that I have to do anything in that, then that is what I am there for. So.
2: Where can we find you, Lynn? See, then I do that I thing. Know. Then I'm like, I don't know what to do now. That's <laughs> nice, is what I want to say in my head. But then I'm like, if I say that's nice, it sounds a little condescending and weird.
1: I'm a beer girl bites on all the things. Where can we find
2: you, Lynn? At Talk Beardy to Me on and all the things. you can find. Us, us at, at Crack the Ceiling, crack the ceiling podcast, podcast on Instagram. Instagram and Gmail. We have an email. Crack yep. the Ceiling Podcast. Have you checked the email lately? Absolutely not. I forgot a right. password again and I didn't want to message you. <laughs> <laughs> Just send us a message on Instagram. <laughs> at least Lindsay
1: will see it there.
2: Uh, thanks for listening once again. Um, we'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs> One of these days. your fucking bro and bro and co, (laughs) I'm sorry. You probably don't need your contract. Stop saturating the market with your very average shitty beer. And this
1: is my rant. It's Mm -hmm. good.